This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 325. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network of podcasts, including the Not Your Average Gun Girls podcast and the new Firearm Trainers podcast. So if you like podcasts, you should go check those out. I'm your host, Riley Bowman, joined today by our producer extraordinaire, Matthew Marister. Hey, brother. Happy to be here. I'm thrilled to have you here, buddy. Uh, it's, I feel like you've been like kind of here and kind of not here, and you've had all this stuff going on. And Don't worry, folks. Matthew's doing great, but we're just <laughs> thrilled he's here. Yeah, you can't get rid of me, man, even though you try. <laughs> <laughs> you did a good job of putting together uh, this week's stories. Uh, so today is our second Tuesday of the month, which means it's Industry News Day. We are talking about news from around the industry, uh, not just legislative stuff. But we've got a couple things that kind of are on the legislative side a little bit, but that's okay because it's really relevant, really important stuff we're going to talk about. We're going to be talking about suppressors or silencers. We're going to be talking about... Uh, uh, mass shootings, like such as ones or one that recently happened in Australia, and that's kind of interesting. We're going to be talking about lead exposure, and I think that's a really important thing to talk about. So that is today's episode title. What about lead exposure? It's something I think we should talk about. So we're going to do that. So welcome to today, today's show. Today's show is made possible, brought to you by our ConcealedCarry.com instructor network. We've got like almost 50 instructors across the, the 50, well, not in every state, but across the 50 states, across the U.S. We've got instructors all over the place. Instructors like Matthew Marister in Ohio, Rob Beckman, who runs the Firearm Trainers Podcast, also in Ohio. What's up with these Ohio guys? A lot of Ohio guys. I just took a firearms, you know, I, t- I took this kinetic combat pistol course with Dave Spaulding over the weekend. He's from Ohio. Birthplace of aviation and, I guess, firearm trainers. Greg Ellifritz is in Ohio. <laughs> who else? There's a, there's other, I mean, there's the Defense Tactical Institute. There's, or no, Tactical Defense Institute. Uh, TDI, yeah, yeah, tactical <laughs> TDI, T- tactical defense institute. John Farnham, all those guys. Uh, something about uh, Ohio. So anyway, but we have instructors in more places than just Ohio. <laughs> so I wanted to make that clear. Uh, Colorado, even California, New York, um, Indiana, which is close to Ohio. Might, might as well be Ohio. We have an instructor in Illinois, Texas, Utah. Uh, Florida. I mean, all over the place. Okay, so go to class.concealedcarry.com and find a class near you. All right, and you know, the, right now there's I think there's a, a lot of good options out there as far as classes. But just so you know, we want to try to see that even increase still. So to see even more class offerings, to see a greater variety of classes. So if you don't see something there that you're interested in or that you'd like to take, shoot us an email at support at concealedcarry.com and or you know you can email us you know what even better email us at podcast at concealedcarry.com because that comes directly to me matthew and jacob uh support goes to our support team guys and, and they're great and they'll get it to us but email us at podcast at concealedcarry.com if you're looking at our website class.concealedcarry.com okay well that's where you i'm giving you the direct link so you can go right there you can see classes and find one near you. But if you don't see one that you're interested in that works for you, or if you don't see one close enough to you, 
let us know and we'll work on bringing it to you. How about that? That sounds outstanding. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> called customer service. Anyway, uh, today's podcast also made possible by Ammo Supply Warehouse. And I am excited to talk about them today because get this, Matthew. I ordered 1,000 rounds of 223 on Thursday. And uh, because I, I needed to get some more, I needed to stock up a little bit, I'm going to be shooting some three-gun matches here before too long. My, my shooting schedule is way reduced this year as opposed to previous years. And even previous years were not what I wanted them to be, but this year I just have too much going on, so I'm not going to get out as much as, I, as I'd like. But I'm still going to have a couple of things I'm going to be shooting in, you know, in the coming months. And... Uh, not that a thousand rounds will last me a couple months because I'll go through that pretty fast, but uh, you know, I just needed to get another thousand rounds so I kind of had enough to practice with and, and and maybe shoot a local match here in the coming weeks. And I ordered a thousand rounds on Thursday, which is not the cheapest way to go, by the way, because ordering two thousand rounds you get free shipping. Mm. But uh, uh, just what was in the budget at the time, I was like, okay, thousand rounds. Ordered it on Thursday. I kid you not. It showed up on my doorstep on Saturday. Wow. I was like, what? Really cool. And actually, when I got the first shipping notification, it was like, ah, it'll come on. You know, it said uh, estimated arrival will be Monday. Cool. That's still pretty darn good. I order on Thursday, have it on Monday. That's awesome. Then on Friday, I got a notification. Your estimated arrival or delivery date has changed to Saturday. And I was like, no way. So literally within, like within two days... I had the ammo that I ordered. So That's crazy. That's really good. Great people, great ammo, great prices, freaky fast delivery speed. Not to take anything away from, you know, a famous sandwich joint, but freaky fast. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> guys, uh, go give Ammo Supply Warehouse some love. AmmoSupplyWarehouse.com. We appreciate them for making... Uh, uh, things like this possible and they and for providing a discount to our Guardian Nation members. So uh, folks, I hope you take advantage of that, especially if you're a Guardian Nation member. And if you're not, you should look into Guardian Nation because it's pretty awesome. Cool. Um, Chris says he's listening today from Las Vegas and that's good news for you, Chris, because Animal Supply Warehouse, they have, an, they have a location near you. They're in Pahrump. Okay, so they ship from two warehouses, one in Pahrump, Nevada, and the other one is in Pennsylvania, I think. I can't remember exactly. I, I, I don't see the shipments show up from there because, I, you know, if you order on the west side of the Mississippi, your stuff's going to get shipped from Las Vegas. If you're on the east side, it's going to ship from the uh, east warehouse. So, uh, But if you're in Las Vegas, Chris, then you should definitely be ordering from Amazon Supply Warehouse because it can get to you super, super fast. All right. Um, today, again, our industry news episode, so let's get into some stories. I do need to let you know we don't have a case of the week today. Again, this week, I apologize for that. Uh, hopefully, that'll resume soon. All right. So, that's all I got to say about that. So, let's jump into it, Matthew. Yeah, for sure. The whole firearms industry is freaking out right now because silencers... Which you know what I use the I use both words, silencers and suppressors, because Hiram Maxim, the dude that basically invented a, a silencer, called it a silencer on the patent. It was listed as a silencer. Uh, the National Firearms Act (NFA) talks about them again and again and again as silencers. Yes, it's true they don't totally silence a gunshot, but 
that's actually what they were called. So, you know, to those that would get all, get things in a twist, you know, over, we'll call it what, you know, the more accurate term, suppressor, whatever. All right. Okay. Both terms are correct in my world. So I used to be more that way. Guys, it's a suppressor. But you get older and you get wiser. (laughs) (laughs) I'm working on becoming as wise as Matthew. Someday. (laughs) You'll, You'll get there. Anyway, so um, so silencers or suppressors are on the chopping block. Okay, that that has that's the big news, as far as you know. The shooting happening happened in Virginia Beach. It sucks. Okay, are we going to see more shootings? Yeah, we're going to see more shootings. Okay, just like the rest of the world is going to see more shootings. It wasn't that long ago. People were all like, Australia haven't had a major mass shooting since we passed our gun control in the 90s. Um, nope. That's a bunch of BS. We're going to talk about that. We have a story specifically about that in like two or three stories here about how that is. Um, yeah, sorry. that That's a myth, actually. So um, anyway, mass shooting happens in Virginia Beach. And uh, that's too bad. Uh, the dude apparently uses a suppressor on one of his guns. So instead of being focused on things that actually probably matter, like why did this guy do what he did, right? So, you know, was this a mental health thing? I don't know. Was this a cultural thing? Was this a, the culture of this workplace drove this guy to, uh, to, you know, and I'm not trying to blame them necessarily, by the way. I'm just saying that in general, like we should all be trying to do better about being good human beings, about being caring and compassionate towards others, because there's people that are dealing with crap in their lives. There's people that have, that, that have a lot of pain, a lot of hurt. And like, we should, I think as a community, as a culture, as a society should be always looking for opportunities to do better in that regard, to help people that truly need help, emotional help, physical help, mental help. It doesn't matter what kind of help. We should be trying to help more, right? But, you know, we're focused on the fact that this guy used a suppressor and that somehow made this whole situation more deadly. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's crazy. Uh, you know, you were talking about just being kinder and, and stuff. And sometimes people are like, "Oh, you know, that's all hippie stuff and and all this." But I mean, I, I go by when you're and we all do it. We read posts online, and somebody says something stupid in the in the you know in the chat or in the conversation. And like the first reaction is to like, "Oh, I gotta I gotta blow this guy up." You know, I gotta tell him this how stupid he is. And like I, I have that tendency, and I think we all do. But what's really helped me is a staying off of social media more and more, but, um, B before I send, like, uh, start typing the message or I send it, I'm like, what is my purpose? Am I really trying to educate this person or am I just trying to be a jerk and, and, and you know, and make this guy feel bad for what he said or, or call him out, make him seem stupid or, you know, and, and if it's the latter, then I haven't been doing it. And I think that if we were to kind of you know, police our, our, our own selves before we make the statements on, on social media, because it's so easy, right? You, the things that you say on social media, half these people wouldn't say them to your face because, um, you know, people get punched out for some, for saying half this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, I, and I'm a big proponent of that. I really think it goes a long way. And, and, and to, on the second side of what you're talking about with the, with the suppressor, no one even made an argument 
that the suppressor did anything that increased the lethality or the death toll or made this shooting any any more dangerous than if he wasn't or or worse than than if he hadn't used a suppressor right there's no not even anyone attempted to make that argument it's just well it's another thing that we can ban it's 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 you know it, it's it's kind of telling that nobody said well let's call let's let's link a suppressor to not only this shooting but multiple other shootings where you know the 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 tendency with these with these suppressors is they're able to shoot more rounds before people are you know notice and and there therefore you know the response is slower. Nobody even makes that argument because it's a ludicrous argument, and so it it's just like okay, well there's a there's a product on the gun. Let's try to ban it. Let's 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 ban it, and and that's where I think we're going with this. Yeah. You know, there was uh, one statement made by one of the victims, one of those that was in the, the that municipal building uh, during the shooting, and she said, you know, she was talking about the fact that it was a, it was that there was a suppressor that was used, in that she thought if a suppressor hadn't been used, that it might have given them a few more seconds, a little bit more time to take action, to get out, to get away, whatever that might have been. And because she, she described it as sounding like a nail gun, and um, I read that and I thought, okay, all right, you know that sounds really reasonable to a lot of people. But here's the thing: here's what people that that's that's that sounds reasonable on the surface. But what people don't realize is that a gun without a suppressor fired, you know, in a building where you're in the building, but you're not in the same room as where that gun's being fired, can still sound like a nail gun. Absolutely. And people, people, you always hear people say, well, I thought it was fireworks. Even, you know, sometimes police officers will say it was around the corner. I didn't, I I thought it might be fireworks, you know? So it's not like people are tuned into the sound of a gunshot and anything else is just like, you know, Oh, it it goes over my head. I think that's a bogus argument. This is the, this is what kills me. I mean, we got So Vincent here is watching on Facebook here today. And he says, we have some ludicrous gun laws in South Africa. But luckily, suppressors aren't regulated at all. Just a normal accessory, just about all rifles are suppressed. And the Brits get that. The UK, you can buy suppressors. In fact, there are some areas where it's required for hunting because it's a considered a neighborly thing to do. Uh, there's many European countries where suppressors are either not regulated or they're reg- regulated very minimally uh, to where they're easier to buy in most cases than the guns themselves. So it's, it's, it's so interesting. I feel like we're so backwards from some of these other countries. Like some of the other countries are totally wrong as far as their approach to how they handle gun control. But then they're like suppressors, yeah, whatever. You know? Cause, but that's the thing. If you take away all guns or most guns or make it really difficult to own a gun, then the suppressor, you know, kind of really like, <laughs> no, but if very few people have guns, then it doesn't really matter if they own a suppressor because suppressors by themselves don't do anything. So I guess maybe that does make sense, but we're so backwards from them that, that, and, and rightfully so, as far as the second amendment is concerned, I, you know, we should have, the rights that we do have, in fact, it should be even less restricted I, than I than it currently is with guns. I think, um, but then we're so like you got to you know 
pay a $200 tax stamp. You got to file this paperwork with the ATF. It takes six months, eight months, 12 months, sometimes longer. I saw a guy recently posting online. It took him like 14 or 15 months to get his paperwork turned around, to get his tax stamp sent back, you know, basically saying you're approved and he could go pick up his suppressor now. Like that is insane over a stinking accessory. So from a logical standpoint, suppressors make things quieter. That's still, you know, the, the, the benchmark is basically getting it below 140, you know, 136 decibels. Lower is better, of course, like from a hearing standpoint. Um, but generally, most suppressors are kind of de- depending on the caliber, depending on the gun being fired. But they're in the 130 to 135 decibel range. That's still freaking loud, right? It might not be so loud that it damages your hearing, but it's still really loud. And again, as you said, Matthew, people talk to anybody that's been in other mass shootings. I thought I was hearing fireworks. I thought I was hearing nail guns. I thought I was hearing banging on the wall. All kinds of descriptions have come out of mass shootings where people don't think that it's a gun being fired. And it's not just because of the actual sound, but it's because mentally they refuse to accept the fact they are in denial that this is happening to them, you know, where they are in that particular day. So, anyway, uh, the bigger threat is probably on the state level because Trump can say, he, and this is what he did. I mean, he, he said in an interview with Piers Morgan on Good Morning Britain, when asked about it, he said, "I would like to think about it." I mean, nobody's talking about silencers very much. I did talk about the bump stock, and we had it banned, and we're looking at that. By the way, there's still a lawsuit going on about that bump stock thing. And then he went on to say, I'm going to seriously look at it. I don't love the idea of it, meaning he does not love the idea of suppressors. Weirdly, though, his two sons, Donald Jr. and Eric Trump, uh, both are big-time you know, pro-gun dudes and love and I think probably even own suppressors, or at least I've seen them. I've seen photos of them shooting suppressed guns. I think his boys need to have have a sit down with dad and be like, uh, dad, like seriously, like you, you realize you're talking about us, we're your sons. Of course, then again, you know, maybe there's that whole, well, we're, we're, we're the elites, you know, and, right. and it, it, you know, it'll, it'll affect these other people, but it's not going to affect us because there'll be some sort of, I don't know. Anyway, I, I, I'd like to see those, t- his sons sit him down and be like, dad, like you, you ought to not push on this issue because you're alienating those that probably supported you in your original election and you got a re-election yeah. coming up and here's the thing man we talked about the bump stock ban and whether you like bump stocks or not we always said it wasn't that it wasn't the bump stock ban that we didn't like we you know we didn't like the way that the, the uh the uh uh fbi or not the fbi the um bureau um used legislation or basically legislated out the bump stock, right? Yeah, it was the ATF. The ATF. Yeah. Um, or or so, or BAT fee. You know, B, right. sometimes you see B-A-T-F-E, which is Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives. But for short, we say ATF you know, right. all the time. It's so, interchangeable. so we didn't like that, right? Yep. And so we said it's a slippery slope. Technically, if, if Trump doesn't like the, uh, a bump stock or a suppressor, it shouldn't matter, matter to us, right? Because there are checks and balances. Donald Trump doesn't right. make legislation, right? Right. He's in executive branch. 
Um, so that's how it's supposed to work. So if Trump says, hey, I don't really like him, we're like, okay, that's great. He doesn't like him. But what are the legislators? What are the legislators going to do? Well, when you start having the president do things and use bureaucrats to legislate and circumvent the process of by which we send representatives and get legislation that we want. Now something just as innocuous as I don't really like suppressors turns into holy crap. Like, is he going to do this again? Right. And so I think that's, that's always should be understanding when we're talking about like bump stock bans and things like that. And whether you like bump stocks or not, that's not the, that's not the, you know, the point really. Yep. Yep. For sure. And that, and that is the key. The difference between bump stocks and suppressors is that bump stocks didn't exist in 1934 when the National Firearms Act was passed. And, you know, they were, they were a previously unregulated accessory. So they could, and even that's debatable, of course, the fact whether they actually could outlaw those or not. Uh, that's why there's an issue going on in the courts. Uh, but suppressors or silencers specifically are regulated already and have been for actually getting pretty close to 100 years now. We're about 15 years away. So 85 years now that they've been regulated by the NFA. That was That is a law that was passed by Congress. And to change that, you're going to need an act of Congress to do so. So that's why I said we're probably more at risk on the state level than we are at the federal level. Virginia, there's already a special session being called by Governor Northam, who is a weenie. But anyway, <laughs> uh, for next month, where they're going to be looking at uh, uh, more gun control, specifically outlawing suppressors in the state of Virginia. Folks, if you live in Virginia, you need to be mobilizing and activating and getting busy because you got a fight coming your way right now. All right. And there's going to be other states, I guarantee you, that are going to do the same thing. It wouldn't even surprise me here in Colorado where we have the current legislative uh, and government, you know, in political makeup as we do currently. Next year, I think we're going to see more gun control proposed here in Colorado. And it wouldn't surprise me after a shooting like what happened in Virginia Beach, the suppressors are on that list as well. It's just a shame, you know, because bump stocks became an issue because one dude used them in a shooting in Las Vegas. Granted, a very terrible, very bad, you know, the worst shooting basically ever, uh, mass shooting in, in the United States of America. Uh, and, and so bump stocks, now one dude uses them in a mass shooting in Virginia Beach, uh, uses suppressors. Those got to go now. You know, what's next? Uh, you know, Mark, I think, commented about, you know, that's that's a problem with reactionary lawmaking. Uh, it's so true. I mean, uh, knee-jerk reaction, it's uh, not the way that we should be making laws. That is for sure. All right, stay tuned for more. <clears throat> Let's talk now, Matthew. This is an article from medicalexpress.com. More awareness needed about lead exposure from firearms, researchers say. This, according to, it says, by University of Otago, which I've never heard of. Uh, and apparently I think this is a university in New Zealand because it keeps re- referencing, um, things from, 
Oh, yeah, here it is. University of Otago, Wellington and Massey University, which uh, this is according to the New Zealand Medical Journal. And they're reporting on lead exposure, specifically lead exposure that occurs uh, from the use of firearms or handling firearms or handling of ammunition. Now, this is a true, this is a real risk that we've known for a long time, but it is something I think our community gets a little bit lax on. And so I've been always very uh, cautious about it because I got little kids, you know, and, and, and children especially are at much greater risk of exposure to lead or lead can impact them a lot more uh, severely than a full-grown adult. It's still an issue for adults. But, uh, you know, so in other words, when I, when I go shooting, I try to make sure when I, you know, I wash my hands thoroughly when I'm done, that I'm not touching or, or picking up my kids or you know, whatever with dirty hands from handling ammunition or handling my firearms or whatever. Uh, the same is true when my kids go shooting, making sure that they themselves are also washing their hands and and stuff when we're done. But it, it's it's more than that. I'm, I'm talking about kids specifically, but uh, uh, this is something I think that we could talk about a little bit more in the, in our community, Matthew. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. And, you know, I've seen this across when I when I was first in the Marine Corps and we police call and pick, pick up all the brass from the range. We take off our cover and, or, or hat and throw every, everything in there and then we dump it in a bucket and we just continue to do it. And you do it thousands and thousands of rounds and then you're putting this hat that's been covered in potential lead dust and, and all this bad stuff and putting it back on your head where you have all these capillaries that goes right through your skin. So they stopped doing that. Um, but you know, we, I think as a, as a farm community, we kind of push back on anything like medically related that tells us, you know, we're fallible, you know, like, Oh, you, you, you can't be doing that because it's dangerous for your health. And we're like, Oh no, we're good. You know, like you, you guys are over exaggerating and this and that, but it's a hundred percent true. Um, I, I do the same thing. I, I, I won't like, as soon as I get home from the range, I wash, I change my clothes, um, you know, because it, it's just potentially very dangerous. And, um, you know, if, if, if you can shoot at an outdoor range much better than an indoor range, right. Cause a lot Absolutely. of this is, is due to, you know, just lack of, uh, ventilation, proper ventilation. And, and um, and so, you know, I think the more we are aware of this kind of stuff, um, you know, you have, we have those products, um, what's it called? Lead off or lead mm-hmm. at all, or something like that. Uh, wipes I seen, uh, down, when we were down at Impact Shooting Center doing the a class in Cincinnati, awesome range. They actually have those mm-hmm. uh, wipes at each at each uh, range bay, which is really cool. It's fantastic. And so, yeah, I think that we need to start doing this as a as a community. Uh, you know, as shooters, um, stop like making it. Oh, you're going to wash your hands? Big deal. You know, I eat and shoot at the same time, smoke cigarettes, and all that. It makes me tougher. And it's like, no, dude, you're you're actually like putting light in your system. That's, that's dumb. Yeah, <laughs> like ignoring the reality and intentionally doing things that, that put your health at risk is is just dumb. Um, I, I love seeing ranges get more and more on board with this and being proactive, like having available those lead removing wipes. That is awesome to see that proact you know that level of proactive uh uh you know action okay that that's kind of redundant but anyway so that's awesome you know at the very least even if you don't have the lead wipes um 
just washing your hands really thoroughly with warm water and good soap, scrubbing them thoroughly. You know, the classic, like, I don't know, seeing the ABCs or something as you're washing your hands. So you get a good 30 seconds of washing your hands thoroughly. That's that's really, I mean, at the base level, that, that's what needs to happen. I've been in situations where there wasn't as good of facilities. So um, I always try to make sure I have bottled water with me. And even if I don't have soap, I will still use a good, you know, amount of water and just rinse and rinse and rinse as good as I can. And maybe even, I don't know if it makes any difference or not, but I'll use some, uh, I always have some, uh, what's it called? Uh, (laughs) uh, You know, the stuff. Purell. Yeah. (laughs) The stuff. Purell. Hand sanitizer. Hand sanitizer. Jeez. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, some hand sanitizer, you know, and just just doing everything you can do to minimize your risk and your exposure to lead. Never, 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 never do a bunch of shooting and reloading and handling of, of ammunition and firearms and then go sit down and grab your sandwich and start, you know, munching and going to town. You know, and be careful too, even about your drinks. Now, uh, you know, a lot of times I'll have like bottled drinks, and 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 you know, I'll, I'll be careful not to get my hands near where my mouth is going to, you know, come in contact uh, as I'm trying to drink or whatever. Uh, so, just some common step things can can greatly reduce your exposure to lead. Now, lead over time, like if it's if it remains on your skin for a long period of time can still be absorbed through the skin and into the blood uh, bloodstream. Uh, so we don't want to go too long too, you know, without washing and, and, and all that as well. So, and I learned some of this cause I, I used to have a job in the federal government and in my capacity, I worked with a number of other agencies and one of those was CDC. And I knew a researcher there that like his whole job was basically about studying lead and he was—he probably was, you know, if you have a spectrum of, I'm not really concerned about lead to I'm super concerned about lead, he's like as far to that, you know, side of the spectrum as you could possibly be, uh, maybe to the point of, you know, insanity. But, but it was interesting having conversations with him a little bit because he learned I was a shooter. And he kind of like, well, tell me about, you know, and he was really the first that really opened my eyes to this. Uh, so anyway, I, I would just say that, you know, we need to make sure, and that's what, why we're making a point to talk about it here today, of educating our people, our community, that this is an issue. You can, in fact, who was I talking to recently was telling me that they've, there was one time in their career they spent a lot of time in it, working in an indoor range, and they got a blood test done once and showed their, their lead levels in their blood was like 10 times what it should have been. 10 times that that's that's a bit scary. Um, I know I saw someone. I think it was Craig. He said, "Hey, you know, if I spend my life, if I die of lead exposure due to handling firearms and shooting so much that it is a life well lived, I don't necessarily disagree with it. But having known some people that were shooters, I'm not saying that because they were shooters that that's why they got cancer. But having known some people that died of cancer and sometimes died pretty miserably, I don't know if I'd go so far as to say." <laughs> Again, if you die of lead exposure, but you 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 just happen to win the lottery, so to speak, you even though you took these steps to minimize your exposure, but yet you still got sick, you still got cancer, and you still died. Okay, fine, yeah, that was a life well lived. But if you're just being, if you're using it as an excuse to just like throw caution to the wind, I, I don't know that that's really acceptable. I think we 
like just like we should be responsible with safety and guns, just like we should be responsible with how we handle our firearms and how we teach others about firearms. I think this is another one of those issues that we can take the higher road and be responsible about how we handle lead exposure. One final thought, Matthew, and if you have anything else to add, is that, guys, this sort of thing would be just another arrow in the quiver that the anti-gunners would love to use to take away lead-based bullets from us. Now, I know there are some people, even in the gun community, that would say, we don't need lead bullets. We can do away with it without, with, without lead bullets. I, I'm not on that board or on that boat yet. I'm not ready to say, yeah, let's do away with lead everything in ammunition because it is very effective. Lead does a really good job of allowing us to make bullets that do certain things that we want them to do and be effective at it. Now, if another technology comes along that gets the job done as well, but without the lead, okay, fine. But I don't know that we're there yet. So I don't want to have the government stepping in saying, we got to take away lead bullets because we can't have lead being thrown at the hills from, you know, all these people shooting around. We can't have lead, you know, being ingested by animals because hunters are out there shooting and and an animal mistakenly somehow ingests a bullet or I don't know. I don't care. I don't I think the, there's all these things that are thrown out there, but this would be just another thing where the anti-gunners and maybe even the government would say, ooh, we can't be exposing people to lead, so we got to take away lead as an option for making and building bullets. I think that would be a bit of a travesty. Yeah, and, and I agree. And I just want to caveat everything that we're talking about with this lead exposure is, is that uh, there's few things that I'm super dogmatic about, like, hey, do never never do this, always do that. And, and I'm, this is not one of those things where I'm saying like, you must do this. I, I, I believe everybody should be able to smoke cigarettes if they want to smoke cigarettes, huff paint, drink gasoline, whatever they want to do, right? If, if that's what they want to do, they're more than welcome to do it. Um, but if there is a way that we can extend our own lives and live a little bit longer and healthier, then I say, you know, I, I want the information and maybe I do some of those things and maybe I don't do some of the other ones, but it's all up to you guys, how you, how you live your lives. And we're not here to, you know, try to live your life for you or, yep. you know, just wanted to caveat that, you yep. know. Matthew, tell us about this Forbes.com article, why Salesforce's gun restrictions change the game for many gun sellers. Yeah. So this is just another, if you follow along, we've covered lots of these stories in the legal uh, episodes, but we're covering it because this isn't necessary legal uh, changes to the law or anything. This is just a policy change with a major um, uh, company that a lot of companies use, a lot of um, big, big corporations use um, to interact with their customers, right? To, to uh, give them better, you know, products or, or uh, target them with, with specific things that might suit them. And so Salesforce uh, is, a, is a company that a lot of these companies use, and they're basically banning uh, on the next go around, once these companies' current policies or current contracts ex expire, the new contracts are going to say that you, they will no longer do business with companies that sell um, basically anything that you would think of as the assault weapons ban. So anything that's covered in there, um, three printed guns, uh, lower receipt, 80% lower receivers. Um, it, it goes into yeah. even or like, ma magazines capable of accepting more than 10 rounds. 
Right. So basically what this is doing is it's taking um, big corporations and saying, we're taking away another tool for you guys to sell your products to uh, you know, the consumer, making it difficult for you to make money, raising the price potentially, because a lot of these companies that are so entrenched with this to, to, to migrate their, their, you know, all their records over to a, an acceptable, you know, uh, comparative product is going to cost them millions of dollars. So they know this and that's why they, they, they're doing this because legislatively they're not winning. Um, they're not able to ban the stuff that they want to ban legislatively. Mm -hmm. Um, and so now this is, this has been the tactic for several years and it's just, you know, slowly, uh, you're seeing it in different, different ways. Yep. Uh, it's, it's corporate gun control is what it is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is a big deal because this is Salesforce, which is a huge company and a ton of companies use Salesforce. What, what is Salesforce for those that don't know? Well, it, it's a management software for, uh, you can manage customer service related things. You can re, you know manage workflow things. You can manage, I mean, it, it is a full fledged software for managing like all things company related. I mean, like you could do so much with Salesforce. It's especially key for 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 uh, customer management uh, platforms. So it's kind of a big deal. So um, again, we've seen some other companies, you know, even like Dick Sporting Goods, right? You know, just getting out of the. They're basically talking now about getting out of gun sales. Period. Guns and ammunition, all that. Uh, you know, there's been talk about some banks. And lenders, you know, trying to uh, restrict gun-related businesses and things like that. There are uh, we've talked in the past about uh, companies like Shopify, which is an online web commerce platform uh, that a lot of companies use for for managing their online stores and shopping experiences and checkout and everything like that. You know, companies that have actually had to migrate platforms at a cost of thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars because they decide one day, oh, I don't like your business and yeah, you can't use my stuff. And so it's just more and more that we're seeing these examples of corporate gun control taking place. And Salesforce is just the latest addition to, um, to, to that, that arena. Uh, now, things at concealedcarry.com, we've, we've taken a lot of steps to try to make sure our website, our server, all of that is robust and that it's set up on platforms and using uh, software and things that, that are either uh, open source or non-proprietary uh, or that we just feel reasonably confident that we're not going to get shut down anytime soon. So so our website's self-hosted and uh, not self-hosted like our own, you know, uh, central uh, server, but it's a cloud server. Uh, but it's, it's one that 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 where we basically manage they're just providing the space is it possible they could still shut us down one day sure but it would be relatively minimal for us to just move servers uh but you know our our, our website is built uh on a platform wordpress wordpress is open source non-proprietary um so there's just there's a lot of things there we got to be really cautious about our industry and it makes me sad to see more and more of these companies that are trying to exercise this, this is what i call corporate gun control what's next? Yeah. Let's well, talk about Aust Australia, shall we? For sure. Yahoonews.com reports out of Australia, and this is actually an Australian article. This is on the Aussie 
uh, Yahoo site. Okay, so like this is written from the perspective of Australia talking about us Americans, and apparently the, the title of this caught my my eye: Americans mock Australian gun laws after deadly Darwin mass shooting. First of all, I hope we are not mocking them. All right, I'm just gonna I'm gonna come right out and say it. Uh, we should not be mocking anybody over a mass shooting. All right. Now I'm going to call it what it is, but guys, we got to be bigger than that. And I'm not saying our audience would do that, but I have seen comments made in the last few days that were just like that, mocking them because, well, you guys had your, you passed your gun control. A lot of good that did you. That is not acceptable. Okay. Because people lost their lives. And we just had our own mass shooting, you know, a week or so ago, about two weeks maybe now. We should never be mocking, okay? It's not right. It's not appropriate. So that's why the title caught my eye. Um, but uh, basically, this uh, shooting happened in uh, the, the in the town or city of Darwin. Uh, it's a mass shooting. Four men are dead. And what's unique about this, uh, unique, I don't know if that's right, really the right word, or what's unusual would probably be more appropriate, is that this shooting took place over a number of areas or locations within Darwin. So there was another mass shooting that, I, I say that in air quotes, by the way, because it seemed to be more of a domestic thing where a family was basically killed or or you know a number of members of a family were, were shot to death in their home. That, to me, I... It, to me, a mass shooting, I mean, depending on how you define, right? You know, like some people say, well, as soon as you have four or more people, four or more people that are shot, it's a mass shooting. Yeah, okay, but I think some intent kind of has to come into play a little bit. Just this, this is just my personal opinion because we just had a shooting not that far from my house here in Lakewood, and it was kind of scary. It was scary that it happened so close to home. Uh, in, in a relatively quiet neighborhood where four people were shot. One of them died, a 17-year-old. And that, according to the mass shooting tracker, massshootingtracker.org, which Matthew has posted here, and we'll talk about that in a moment too, it's listed on there. But I don't look at that situation and go, yeah, that's a mass shooting. Because it may have been maybe, I don't know if gang-related, but it could have been drug-related or, you know, it was some sort of, somebody knew somebody and that somebody ticked them off and they took out their rage on these people, you know, I don't know. Anyway, so Australia, we know they have very strict gun control and they have been held up, including by Hillary Clinton herself as the model to the world that we just need to do like Australia does. And we would get rid of all of these mass shootings. Mm, Not so fast as this latest incident would uh, lead you to, to, to think. Yeah. And, and, you know, as you're talking, um, it, it, there's a difference, I think, and I think we all kind of know there's a nuanced difference between um, addressing the fact that Australia is held up as the the pinnacle of gun control laws. Right. Um, and mocking them, mocking, you know, the, the country in general as like, well, look at what you got with your, you know, your uh, gun control laws. Right. Like there's a difference between saying, um, you know, these laws don't work and this is why, and this is an example of why they don't work. 
um, rather than, you know, doing the, like the, the one liners or the memes or, and stuff like that, that kind of comes across as mocking. And I, I don't know, I don't think any of, you know, um, anybody needs to beat that dead horse, but I think there is a difference. Um, as far as the, the mass, you, you talk about the mass shooting tracker that I dropped in the, in the quotes or in the, uh, the notes. Um, it's important because this, this is what is perpetuated in the media and we know the media lies and uses a lot of, uh, incorrect terminology, but it also goes, ripples out to the, to the other countries. So, um, this is from the, um, let me see, this is the, I believe this is one of the officials in, in New Zealand or in Australia, I'm sorry. Um, and he says, if you count 10 or more victims as gun massacre, we've had, we had several before 1996. We've had zero since he told AAP, the U S has several every month of every year of the 21st century. So let's take a step back and say, so really they're saying that we have a mass shooting of 10 or more victims every month of every year in the 21st century. Well, I looked at, uh, so I went to the mass shooting tracker, which all these organizations use to track mass shootings and say, look at all these mass shootings. And there's not one, uh, we've had one in for 2019 so far so that's six months we've had one according to like the terminology or the 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 standards that this guy um is equating right but then if like you said you go through these these mass shootings and many of them are gang related Mm -hmm. uh they're, they're they they make it seem like these mass shootings on this mass on this tracker which shows a lot of shootings are like these shootings out of the blue, like you're in church and it shoot, you know, and, and it gets shot up for no reason, or you're at a concert and it gets shot up by a maniac. Those are the mass shootings we think of, right? A school shooting and things like that. We don't really think of, you know, a gang on gang shooting where four people die as a mass shooting. Yeah, it's bad. And it's, it's, it's not something that we want to have happen, but we don't classify as a mass shooting, even amongst just normal yeah conversation. And so by conflating these two and adding them together, they really skew the idea and perpetuate that there are so many mass shootings. And one thing that they don't include on this mass shooting tracker is any use of a gun in a positive way as a defensive force that saved lives. There's no, I mean, there are, and we cover them on the podcast all the time where somebody will break into a house, three or four people break into a home and, uh, and, and the homeowner uses a gun to defend themselves against, you know, three or four people. Well, mm-hmm. acor- would that be a mass shooting? I, according to this, it would be, but they don't include it because it actually is a firearm used to, to save lives. So it's, it's, it's all skewed. Yep. That's why I, I, I wanted to put it in there so you guys can really see exactly what they're talking about when they throw these figures around. Yep. Agreed. And, and that's, a, those are all great points. Yep. 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 I, I really do see, think that uh, the reason behind the shooting, uh, the intents, the motives, I, I think should play a part a little bit because, because gang violence is different than all other violence pretty much, you know, that, it, it it's a it's a separate problem with its own separate causes and its own separate solutions if there are any you know what I mean so um, that's why I I think there are a lot of these it's true that you're looking at this tracker and you go you know if you it, there's links out to all these stories and a lot of those 
you can read, or at least I'm fairly confident from the way they read, that a lot of them are gang-related uh, or are domestic situations as well. And even that, I feel like, has to be classified a little bit differently. Um, as far as, I, I, I think, I know that some people on the other side of the issue, as far as guns, the anti-gunners, uh, they they see all violence as, as it, it is all bad, right? But we can't solve all violence with a one solution that fits, you know, it's not a one-size-fits-all solution, right? That's that's my point. That's why we can't lump everything in statistically and go, okay, we have, you know, here's the problem, here's all these statistics, now let's find one solution that fixes it all. There is none, right? So you have to tackle the different problems with different solutions. Where it comes to gangs, that's a that's a tough one, you know? But a lot of it comes down to the work our law enforcement and especially uh, special task forces every day across this country are constantly working to combat gang violence, you know. Um, and there's other programs, too. In fact, there's a guy here in Denver that he's a former gang member, you know, turned very, um, uh, you know, Turned, turned to the gospel, turned to, you know, uh, to being a Christian and, and changed his life and is now running this program trying to positively influence these young boys and keep them from going into gangs. There's stuff like that too, right? And that's all part of the solution. But those are all, like I said, those are, those are different problems with different necessary solutions to potentially solving them or reducing them. So anyway, so this whole Australia thing, again, uh, let's be let's not be mocking anybody. Um, but um, I went back to the article, by the way, that they reference. I found the article on firearmsownersunited.com. dot uh, com. The title is "New uh, let's See NT Tragedy NT." What would that be? Northwestern? No, I don't know. I think it's referring to the region, but. Uh, Australia's gold standard gun laws fail again. Uh, and and as I'm reading it, like I don't necessarily read this as it's mocking them, but that's clearly how they took it. But I have seen some comments on, on social media that I think we're probably crossing a line a little bit. But regardless, uh, we know this. Okay, Maybe this is news to the Australians, but we knew for a long time. Yeah, okay, you know, but you guys still have a gun problem, even though you took away almost all the guns. We've talked about it before on the podcast, you know, where we've shared some statistics about how many unregistered and unlicensed guns are on the streets in the hands of gang members in Australia. It's been a while, but we shared a story like that. Dean Weingarten with Ammoland, or he writes a lot for Ammoland, that dude has published a lot of really, really good articles talking about uh, what gun control and guns are like in Australia. And just go look up, go to Amaland.com and look up any articles written by Dean Weingarten. He has a whole series of articles that are really eye-opening about what life is truly like in Australia, especially as it centers around the idea of guns and gun ownership. All right, last article. Uh, this is on Amaland.com. And actually, this one's written by Dean Weingarten. <laughs> That's fancy that. Record Nick's background checks for May 2019. It just keeps growing. Uh, Nick's, the Nick system is the National Instant Background Check System, which is run by the FBI, is used by a lot of law enforcement agencies. That's, that is the one system that any agency can use very quickly 
to just to run a name, to run an individual, and see if there's any you know big you know any hits that that hit you know. I mean, it's just a very very fast and efficient system for that kind of thing. Um, and frankly, a lot of people you know probably the, the Nick system probably has a bad name in the firearms community, especially, but it's probably really made a big difference in the work of law enforcement in the last. 20 to 30 years. Uh, by that, I mean, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of talk recently about, uh, you know, there's some documentaries and stuff. I haven't watched any of them, but, you know, people talk about Ted Bundy and, you know, the serial killers and stuff back in like the 70s and stuff. But it, it's kind of fascinating to see how law enforcement work was done back then. Fascinating in that basically it sucked. <laughs> law, law enforcement agencies 30 and 40 plus years ago did a terrible job of talking to one another and sharing information, mostly not necessarily because it was their fault and they just didn't want to share that information. It's just that there wasn't a good central database to share information. So anyway, the NICS system, um, you know, every month there's a report that goes out and they basically tell us how many permit or how many background checks were run through the system, specifically for firearm sales and also permit checks and May was the biggest month of May ever in the history of the NICS system. Uh, so a lot of that is permits. And actually, the number of new permits being issued was down, but the number of new permit or of permit renewal checks were up in a big way. And it also appears that gun sales also increased based on this information. So the month of May of 2019, biggest May ever in the Knicks uh, background check system. Very cool. Very cool. I guess. I mean, if, if, if that means people are buying guns, yeah, it's, it is very cool. Um, now, there are some limitations to the Knicks system, right? Uh, first of all, some, some states, in fact, it says here in the article, 25 states don't require a background check if a purchaser of a gun has already undergone a background check to acquire a carry permit. Uh, so in other words, like that's how it was in Idaho. I think that's how it is in Utah. And uh, so if you already have, if you have a concealed carry permit and you go to a dealer and you want to buy a gun, they, they don't have to run a background check on you. So that's a one of the, that's an example of one of the limitations of the next system as far as relying on it, on purchasing data of firearms and stuff, because uh there could actually be tons more actual gun purchases that are that are that are occurring without background checks because they are people that are permitted concealed carriers that are using their permit to actually you know kind of bypass that that background check requirement. So that's uh, something that's also uh, I guess good or interesting to know as well. So now Matthew, by the way, had to bow out, guys. Uh, he had. Uh, um, he's got a doctor's appointment, so he's he's on the way there. So um, just just so you know, so you don't wonder where he just had to go. But we're basically at the end here. That was that was the last of our stories. The one thing that uh, I wanted to to talk with Matthew about, but uh, we we didn't get there in time, was it's been a while since we did a uh, uh what 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 do we used to call it? I don't know, basically our our gear review, the pick of the week. <laughs> there we go. So it's been a long time since we've done a pick of the week, and I wanted to do a pick of the week again uh, here today. So I uh, kind of wanted to talk about uh, you know s- some gear again because it's been a while. So I actually wanted to talk. There's several things I could talk about, but today I'm going to talk about – I'm going to go ahead and unstrap my 
holster here. This is for those that are viewing on Facebook. For the rest of you, I'll do my best to uh, explain it to you. So I have here, and it is loaded. That's why I'm leaving it in the holster. But I have my P320. Actually, this is a P320 compact model as far as the slide is concerned. But what I'm reviewing here today, it, my pick of the week is the X-Compact Grip Module. All right, so SIG announced a SHOT Show this year, the new X-Compact, uh, which is uh, another, you know, it's kind of the next evolution in their X-Series of guns on the P320 line. And we shot it at SHOT Show, and I was really impressed with the X-Compact. The thing with the X-Compact is it basically takes... If you're familiar with the Sig Sauer X Carry, it basically takes the X Carry slide and barrel and shortens it by about three eighths of an inch. And they developed a new X grip or X compact grip module that's a little bit slimmer, a little bit more rounded, and it's also shorter than the X Carry grip. So you get a, a, a gun that's basically Glock 19 sized, maybe a little bit shorter in the barrel. So it's quite a bit more concealable than like the X Carry or the X VTAC, or certainly a lot more concealable and carryable than the X5. Uh, mostly because the X5 from the factory comes with a mag well attached to it. Of course, you could remove it and it would be the same length and basically the same concealed profile as a X carry. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and carefully remove this from the holster so you can just kind of see what this does. So I, I didn't want to buy the X compact. I mean, I, I wouldn't mind buying the X compact. Uh, I certainly don't mind sending some money SIG's way. I, I, I like their products. I've been very happy with virtually all of my SIG sour uh, pistols, but uh, you know, I figured if they're going to sell the X compact grip module, I'm just going to buy the grip module. Okay. That's what they call it. They don't call it the frame because the frame is actually the metal part. Since this is a modular gun, the frame actually comes out of the grip module. So I decided I wanted to buy the grip module and mount my already existing P320 frame in it in fire control unit, okay, the FCU, fire fire control unit. That's that's the technical name of the frame. Uh, that's the frame with all of the uh, the action components and, and little parts and pieces uh, that are assembled therein. And then put my P320 compact uh, slide and barrel on it. And I actually like and prefer the look of this. I like that the, uh, the slide and barrel extends just a little bit past the end of the grip module. I think it actually is a nice, attractive, sort of classic look there. Uh, the, it just looks, uh, looks cool. So I'm really, really digging the X-Compact grip module. It feels awesome in the hand, and it's just compact enough to be very concealable, at least on me, uh, using you know a nice uh, appendix holster here. I know somebody's going to ask, uh, what, what holster is that? It's one that I made myself. It's a custom holster. So that's my pick this week is the X-Compact grip module for the P320 series of guns. Uh, you can buy those on sixsour.com or there's a couple other online sellers of those. I bought mine from Osage County Guns. Uh, got it for $10 less than the price on sixsour.com. Uh, but I'm sure they sold out very quickly because I, I had an email notification for when they would get back in stock because I missed it the first first go around. And I got that email and boy, like instantly I was like, <laughs> right to the website and snatched it up uh, before they would sell out, which I'm sure came pretty quickly. 
So there you go. Um, so this is gonna. I'm gonna be carrying this now for a bit. I've been carrying my Glock 19 primarily for about the last eight months or so. Uh, I was carrying the P365 a lot before that. Part of that was for review purposes. I still do carry my P365 quite regularly, but primary carry has been the Glock 19. And uh, now that I finally got the, uh, not that I don't mind the standard P320 compact, but the X compact is just a little bit more compact. All right, and it feels better in the hand to me too. So now that I've got this and I've got a gun that I'm really satisfied with as far as how it feels and how it shoots, uh, I'm really excited about it. So anyway, there you go. Pick of the week, X-Compact Grip Module. All righty. Well, that brings us to the end of our episode. Again, a reminder that today's episode made possible by class.concealedcarry.com. That is uh, where you can find our whole inventory of available classes all across the United States of America. So head on over to class.concealedcarry.com. Find some training near you because you know what? I took a training class this last weekend. You should too. All right, go go to class.concealedcarry.com. Find a class. Go get some more training. It is, it is training where we learn the things that we need to be practicing. It's training where we learn how to practice and how to practice effectively. It's training where we put to test the things we already have practiced and we find where our shortcomings are. Training is really key. Taking a training course is, I think, a necessary thing. I think it would be wise for all of us gun owners and gun carriers to try to take at least one class a year and one to two would, I mean, two classes a year would be awesome. Once every six months would be would be amazing. Not everybody's able to do that. Get out there and take one good class a year. I mean, by one good class, I mean like a, at least a one-day class, eight hours of training. This year, I I should hit my uh, 80 hour of train or my 80 hours of training goal that I uh, that I've I've said from the beginning of the podcast. It's been a goal of mine for years and years. I've uh, I kind of fell short of that last year. This year I decided, nope, I'm going to I'm gonna hit that 80 hours again. So I uh, had a really great time and, and took a Dave Spaulding class uh, up here in Colorado. But we have a lot of great instructors and a lot of great training opportunities at class.concealedcarry.com. And then finally, Ammo Supply Warehouse, ammosupplywarehouse.com. Great ammo, great people, great prices, and super fast shipping. Go check them out, ammosupplywarehouse.com. And now it's time to choose our weekly giveaway winner of the podcast. Now, folks, each week, this is a revolving door where if you go through that revolving door every week, anew, you can sign up each week and have a chance every week to win a prize from all of us here at Concealed Carry Podcast. So how does that work? You go to concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize each week. Put it, all it asks for is your name and your email address, and boom, and you're signed up. That's it. Now, if you want to share it with your friends and family, you'll get extra entries. That's always a bonus. You, you get one more entry, you double your chances of winning. Some people have gotten it. I think the max bonus entries you can get is 10. You get 10 bonus entries, that's 10 times more likely to win. So, guys, go share it with your friends and family. Boom. It'll be awesome. Uh, all right, so this week's prize winner will be receiving 
a set of Takeos training cards. I've got a, I've got them sitting right here in my hands right now. These are great training cards. Uh, these are designed by Jeff Gonzalez of Trident Concepts. He's been on the podcast with us a few times. Got to get I got to get Jeff scheduled again here because uh, we've been he and I have been talking about doing it again. He's just a good dude. I'm gonna pick one randomly out here. Uh, this is called the Five Second Drill. All right. And this is actually this the the set of cards I'm holding here are actually the rifle cards, um, and what we're actually giving away today is the pistol cards, and so uh, because it's a concealed carry podcast, but I have the rifle ones that just it just happens to be what I picked up. So the five second drill is you fire one round in a four inch circle in five seconds. Repeat. With two rounds, three rounds, four rounds, and five rounds, you do it from 15 yards, and you're going to fire a total of 15 rounds. And uh, yeah, so you, the goal is to try to get one round. So you have five. So basically, you you have your rifle already, you know, ready to go, right? So low ready or something. Okay, you're going to hear a beep, and you're going to come up and bang. Getting one round in a four-inch circle, 15 yards. With a rifle with a with an AR-15 carbine in five seconds, that's plenty of time, right? So the worst you could do is on the five round uh, string of fire, you got five seconds to get five rounds in a four inch circle. So very very doable. But the goal would be to get you know you got you start with one round, then you do two rounds, you do three rounds, you do four rounds, then you do five rounds. So fifteen rounds in a four inch circle, and the goal is each time you run one of those strings of fire, you're trying to get it all done in five seconds, and then uh, you. Uh, it says here point penalty of seven. I'm trying to remember how he does his penalties. I don't always use the penalties. I a lot of times I'll use a, a second, you know, penalty. Like I'll add a second to my time. But since this is not something that is, this is, you know, five second drill. So you're tr- you're trying to make sure you always get it accomplished in five seconds. So anyway, interesting little drill there. That's just one example. Uh, the one thing I like about the way these takeos cards work. Uh, the idea is that there are some cards that are designed for setting standards or baseline or establishing baselines. There are some that are just straight up drills uh, for practice purposes, stuff like that. There, there's a whole bunch of variety of things in here. You're going to really enjoy the takeos cards. So, guys, let's pick this week's lucky winner of a set of takeos cards. So. How do we do this? Well, I hit a button in the software that collects all of your names and email addresses, and it picks a random name from this week, 204 entries. So here we go. The special Concealed Carry Podcast drumroll. This week's winner of Takeos Cards is Lena G. Last name starts with G and her first name is, I I shouldn't assume it's a she. (laughs) Lena G. All right. Congrats, Lena. You are our lucky winner of a set of Takeos cards. So there you go, folks. Make sure you sign up for next week's giveaway where we're going to be giving away a TW350 tactical flashlight. It's a great flashlight, really robust, really well built, uh, pretty bright, 300 or so lumens in a very small package. So Sign up for next week's giveaway at concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. Well, guys, time to let you go. I hope you uh, have a good rest of your day, and we'll be back here Thursday with the podcast. Uh, a little tease, I'll give you a little heads up. Next Tuesday, 
at 12 noon Mountain Time, we are going to have Jerry Michalik on the podcast live. For those of you that are on Facebook or able to join us on Facebook, that will be live podcast with Jerry Michalik next Tuesday, June 18th at 12 Mountain Time, 12 noon Mountain Time. So that's really exciting. Looking forward to that. It'll be a great time with Jerry. So definitely don't miss that episode. So with that, we're going to let you go. A reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. A reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.